The Chavrusa, featuring Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch, directed by Jeff Osias. From Chicago, this is The Chavrusa. I'm Rabbi Avraham Kibalevich. And I'm Rabbi Kalman Warch. Tonight we want to talk about a topic that anyone who is Jewish, or perhaps even non-Jews, is familiar with. They've either been invited to one or had to plan one. And what we're talking about, of course, is the event known as the Bar Mitzvah. Well, the Bar Mitzvah is something which um, every Jewish boy strives towards. It's a day when um, basically the boy becomes a man, is um, to use a used quote. Yeah, your comment, I think perhaps I could start our program tonight here with a a little paragraph from a book that I found useful when I was teaching. It's written by uh, Nochem Amzel. It's called The Jewish Encyclopedia of Moral and Ethical Issues. And here in chapter 38 about Bar Mitzvah, he says, uh, the mere mention of Bar Mitzvah, even in the non-Jewish world, conjures up images of a lavish party, a live band, and many, many gifts. For the child, it is certainly the highlight of, or one of the highlights of his life up to that point. For some people, it is their highlight event even after many years of adulthood. Some parents will borrow tens of thousands of dollars to throw a worthy party. Surely this exaggerated picture is not the ideal Jewish practice celebrating bar mitzvah. But what precisely should the ideal Jewish bar mitzvah be? This is the intro, and I refer our listeners here uh, to what he has to say. And I think I couldn't have put it better myself. Obviously, the way we we see bar mitzvahs in all aspects of the Jewish culture, whether it be Orthodox, Conservative, or Reform, it sometimes causes people to pause and wonder. Yes, we know that all cultures seem to have an initiation rite, a coming of age, a sense of acceptance in the community. What? Just to do a, a quick um, review of the basic ideas of Bar Mitzvah, I think we should mention that there are a few different parts to the Bar Mitzvah. Um, ba- basically, on the Shabbos um, before or after the Bar Mitzvah, depending on how it's planned, the boy is um, required to um, read the portion of the Torah for the week. If not the entire portion, then at least a part of it. Uh, if he doesn't do that, he reads maybe the Aftorah, which is the um, prophet portion for that week. This is besides for the party, which is usually done during the week where many guests are invited in some cases. Many gifts are lavished upon this child. Well, again, come what you said approximates what's done in some places. But I think you're right. I think we have to analyze it from the beginning. There are uh, sources going back to the times of the Gaonim over a thousand years ago, that speak about having the child read from the Torah, something which was really prohibited to do up until that point. There's also statements that herald back uh, to the Middle Ages that speak about children who had been children, and now Bar Mitzvah leading the prayer service, something, again, which they hadn't been able to do. And... I think the way that has developed, especially in the German, the Ashkenaz communities, was that the child, you're right, was expected to lead the prayer service and to read the Torah to signify that he is now a real member of the community and can now be counted upon to be used as a as a regular member. But to to bring out this point, I would uh, just like to say that it is um, actually quite complicated for some of these kids who might not have done anything up to this point. 
um, as great as this, and when they have to get up in front of a large public and um, speak like that or pray like that or read like that, it's a big step for the child, and there's a large amount of growth that comes just from that single day. Common, yes, if you accomplish it, there's growth. However, as the Mishnah Brura points out, one of the the most accepted poskim halachic authorities of our time says that the mere, merely calling the child up for an aliyah, calling him up to to just make the bracha on the Torah, would be sufficient to indicate that he has now joined the community completely. I worry about this, having not only gone through bar mitzvah with my own children, but also have taught other bar mitzvah children that perhaps this pressure that you ref- the, of the experience you're referring to, which is reading the whole Torah and davening the whole prayer service, is just too much. And I grant you, there are many kids that do wonderfully. They just take to it like a fish in water. What it does is it sets the bar so high and puts an extreme pressure on all children to to work so hard at this at a time when they could probably uh, don't need that. Well, I don't know about that. I think it's uh, really important for every boy. Um, we're discussing bar mitzvahs at this point, which is why I say boy, um, to prepare himself to take upon himself something which seems great and extraordinary. I think that's important for his growth, as hard as it might be. The fact is that every boy eventually accomplishes it. If it takes extra lessons, if some boys need to work on it harder, I'm not talking about um, boys that have problems, but the basic child should be able to accomplish this. You know, Kalman, again, you, you are speaking out of perhaps the memory of how you did or perhaps of your own friends. There are many kids that don't accomplish it, and it, it takes a long time. And I would say that many of these children will eventually learn how to pray for the Amud, how to be, how I to lead prayers. Are you suggesting that we should therefore limit this to only children who are capable? No. Well, actually, like the Gemara says, uh, in other circumstances, lo levayish esmi she'en lo, not to embarrass those that don't have it. I would say that if this is community decided that what we could do is give an aliyah. We give an aliyah to the child. We call him up with a uh, fanfare that here, ya'amod, this child to be called up. He makes the bracha. Everyone in the community recognizes. Well, the fact is that they do do this in, in some places. But I think that if you take the average standard, and again, you're talking about as if there are, it's a half and half. I think... Almost all children, all boys, are capable of doing this, whether they need more preparation, more work. It's just um, so, some children are not able to, but most children can. And I think, therefore, you cannot say that um, for the need of another part of the public, we need to cut this out. I, I just think that what you're also saying is the problem of the great pressure that's put on the child and whether that's necessary I, I think it's very important that when someone needs to join a group, when someone is growing up, they need that large test, that big thing that they need to do. I think I don't see why they need a big test. It's something where the child is pushed out onto a stage and where everybody is listening and commenting like critics in the back row. I don't think a child needs, every child needs that. I think there's going to be plenty of tests. And, and if you see that your child is the type of child that thrives by pushing towards such accomplishments, then push your child. But when universally all Jewish male children have to be pushed this way, I think there are, there are going to be many that are going to suffer 
through very difficult hours and days approaching the bar mitzvah. Well, the fact is that the bar mitzvah is a time when the child grows up. And that's, that is how one grows up. I think it's like when um, one is trying to learn how to swim. So if you just try to wade in the um, shallow water for a bit and learn how, you're not going to learn how. You need to be thrown in. Uh, into the deep water. Afterwards, once you've been in the deep water and you understand the pressure, I think this is a metaphor for life. Then you can go back to the shallow water and practice. Common but good parents. Need... Good parents will find many challenges to give their children. They don't need this one specifically, which is not only a challenge among their parents and growth. It, it really puts them up with a pressure into the whole community. But it's the idea of being able to stand up with social pressure that this stage is the only place where they'll get a chance to do this. And once they've done that, then over time they can learn how to pray um, better, they can learn how to read better, and they they can then continue. But that one-time hard step it needs to be taken and I think if you I don't, if you think, don't have I, that step common, I think you're this, missing the entire bar mitzvah because that's really what it is it's a jump into manhood no, common, I think this is your spin on bar mitzvah I think what bar mitzvah is if you look in the sources is basically an acceptance of an age that has occurred it isn't the, the child is not a man the child is someone who has to perform mitzvot and again his maturity will be specific towards the individual child and I want to make one other point, Kalman, that another advantage of the low-pressure approach that I am advocating is that many of these children that you say are adequately able to learn the Torah reading and the davening still have very little understanding of the words they are saying. And halachically, we know that we look for our chazan, our shliach tzibor, to be someone who understands the prayers, who has a nice voice and is able to lead the public properly. The person who can read from the Torah is someone who understands exactly the words they are saying. And you're right, Kalman, there's going to be some of them out there that are going to be trained to a point that they know what they're saying. But many of them, because of the pressure, are just working on memorization, memorization, and they don't really feel or understand what they're saying. And among a lot of Hasidic communities, the boys do not daven for the Ahmed, and they don't uh, read the whole Torah portion. You know, Kamen, I think, however, that there should be something that a child does. I don't say that we should just give him an aliyah and send him packing. I think there's another element that is spoken about by many of the sources, and of course this was something that you left out in, in, in your description earlier, which is the bar mitzvah pshetel, or the bar mitzvah drosha, or the bar mitzvah speech. Uh, I say three different statements for it because different societies have different ways to look at it. Well, actually, speaking of the pshetel, um, I, I think it's actually um, um, best that I didn't mention it because I, I believe that the pshetel is actually quite useless. Um, what, what you're, you've described it in different terms based on the different ideas where some of them just, um, some give a complicated pilpul, a deep um, understanding of some um, complicated halacha, while some just give a nice um, um, medrash speech. But the fact is that I don't, I, I'm not aware of any 13-year-old boy who has been capable of making up their own little piece of Torah. Usually it's something that the father or one of his teachers um, thinks should it would be presentable as a pshatl and 
talks to the child and makes him memorize it and just read, where over there, when it comes to the reading of the Torah, the idea is to read and hear the words. But the pshatl is a showing of my deep understanding of the Torah when the child has no idea what he's talking about. What's the use of getting a child well, to read I, words that I, not only... Um, doesn't he understand, but he's incapable of understanding. Well, common again, I don't see how you can sell this child short, where before you said this is a challenge they can reach. If a father spends the time to study with his child, and he takes not he takes a number of weeks or months going through an idea the child is comfortable with and learning with But these him. are not ideas that the child is comfortable sure with. Sure it is. Um, the child, maybe maybe the child... we should downgrade some of the level of this shuttle and, and maybe make it a nice Dvar Torah. He, common, sure? I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I think a pshetel is something which can add. But you're talking about the large por, um, piece of Torah. That I didn't say that. All I said was that you can, the father can learn with the child, knowing the child well, what he is meant for, and come up with some ideas. Of course, the father fine-tunes it. Perhaps the rabbi looks it over, and there's another editing process that goes on. But I think the but whole it can idea still of reflect, Torah... It can still reflect the child's connection and what the child wants to contribute to the Torah. In fact, the poskim, the marshal of Shomaluri of the 16th century says that he wonders about bar mitzvahs in general because he's not sure that many of these children are actually physically mature enough to be counted as one of the minion. But he says if they say a Dvar Torah, if they actually get up there and say Divrei Torah, then the Suda, which we'll talk about later, the celebration that follows, is a Suda's Mitzvah, because Torah was said, I think the real way a child enters into the community, the way I see it, is as a contributor through Torah, as a student and perhaps a teacher eventually. And I think that's probably more significant than going through uh, some ritual prayers. Speaking of going through rituals, of course, our sponsors have their ritual, which is to interrupt us here now for very important words. And we will be going weiter after those. You're listening to The Chavrusa with Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. The Chavrusa can be heard every Monday evening on the Torah Radio Network Daily Show from 8 to 9 p.m. Central on AM 1080 WNWI Oaklawn, Chicago, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern on AM 680 WNZK Dearborn Heights, Detroit. Or you can hear it live at www.torahradio.net. And now we return to the Chavrusa on the Torah Radio Network Internet Archive at www.torahradio.net. Okay, we're back. And we're discussing the um, Bar Mitzvah. And uh, we've till now we've discussed basically the uh, spiritual and uh, um, prayerful ritual of the Bar Mitzvah. I think um, we need to get to something which is even more outstanding in the life of the Bar Mitzvah boy, which is the Bar Mitzvah party, or the Bar Mitzvah Suda, again, depending on what's going on. Well, as we mentioned earlier, we talked about families that actually have to go and borrow money uh, in order to keep up with the Schultzes or Schwartzes in, uh, terms of, in terms of providing an adequate party. And clearly, Kalman, I think you're going to agree that these parties are, are obviously much too much. Well, I agree with you that parties are slightly overdone, but I do think we need to have a lavish party. I, I, I don't know whether we need to have the eight-course meal with the um, waiters and the um, eight-man band, but 
Uh, I definitely think we need to have a large party, something that's really nice that the child will remember. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think because the child has had so much pressure, like you said, on him, and he's been working so hard towards this goal, I think this could be sort of a reward for well, all the work that he's well, put in. Well, of course you think that, Kamala, because you want to put a lot of pressure on these kids, and therefore they can now in- take off their uh, starch tie and enjoy themselves a little bit. The way I look at it, it it's a low-pressure situation that therefore can lead to a nice family kiddish uh, where the friends and relatives are invited and people are there well wishing. But again, we don't, it doesn't need to be catered extravagantly uh, to the point uh, that the parents are in hock over it. And again, I can tell you, having had a, a bar mitzvah and a bat mitzvah, which, by the way, we haven't discussed yet tonight, and uh, I think we'll probably, I think we both agree it should probably be a topic for a different show. If we... you would like to hear the show about bat mitzvah or any other topic, please email us at chavrusel at TorahRadio.net. I think we'll probably approach the bat mitzvah topic as maybe as, as a larger show dealing with other ways of inclusion of women in Judaism. However, as I was saying before, it can be very expensive. Now, I, I know that there is a source, the Zohar HaKadosh, one of the holiest Jewish sources that we have, that says that the day of the bar mitzvah has to be as if the day the child is going to the chuppah, as if the way the day the child is getting married and I think that statement, which was codified uh, in some of the early halachic sources, has been misconstrued. And we find today the same sort of going overboard for this child. Well, I think the problem is maybe that we're going overboard when it comes to weddings. And therefore, bar mitzvahs have tagged along. But I definitely think that whatever the standards of the time is for a lavish party, that bar mitzvahs should be right up there. And the bar mitzvah suda is something that the child, where he gains basically his social status, whether whether it be his class or whether it be with the other members of the synagogue who all come over to him and say mazel tov, where he meets them all and or when them the all. kids say, and, My, you know, your party stunk compared to ours. I mean, we had uh, cotton candy and hot dogs and French fries, and and your party only had these slabs. Again, I think that, again, this is a tremendous pressure that is now a pressure on the parents. Again, something that we I don't, don't need. I don't think that it has to be overdone in that way. I think you could have the full party with all the fun and all the children feeling um, satisfied that this has been a good party without going overboard. Having that um, uh, single band or one-man band or... Um, having less of a meal or overdone, I, I don't think and the child will suffer that much. If you want to take all the boys' friends out for some fun night in some way that's appropriate for those kids, I think that's all right. Again, it needs to be within a Jewish... Um, um, I agree. Something which is something which, which, the, which the kid will appreciate and like. But again, when you have all the relatives and the whole huge to-do, I think this is something that uh, many people will thank be common uh, when they accept this. If this, if 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 our pronounce, if my pronouncements here will become accepted, I think most of Judaism will be happy. Another side issue is that at many of these parties, especially in perhaps some of the more uh, modern circles, boys and girls are brought together, and the result is something quite awkward. You have boys and girls, and perhaps uh, there's going to be uh, a, a movement to perhaps having some dancing and some singing. If we if we downscale the party completely, I think we won't run into these well, issues. I, I don't know if the bar mitzvah party in itself causes any problems by being one example out of a thousand where the children would have a chance to 
um, get together. I, I, I don't know if... Well, again, if you take a look at, at, at the premier posek of our day, uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein, uh, who writes, uh, he wrote this in the 50s, granted, but he says that he doesn't... He says if he could, the way bar mitzvahs are celebrated today in America, he says, I would stamp them out. He says, it's well known that who has actually become more religious in his observance of Torah and mitzvahs by attending a bar mitzvah celebration, even the bar mitzvah child themselves. So he says, especially because of what it leads to. Because he's talking about the spiritual growth that the child has. You're right. The spiritual growth comes with the um, um, spiritual part of his bar mitzvah, which is the reading or the praying, whatever it is. But this is more of a social growth. And I, but I, the party said, is there to is be... This is a reward. The party this is, is something the child will remember I, for the rest I, I, of his life. I disagree. Life. The party is a sudas mitzvah. The party is there... It's a sudas mitzvah because it is a, a birthday party of the 13th, which is when he becomes initiated into the chiyu mitzvahs, when he starts which to is the, the commandments. Which is but the simcha of it doing mitzvahs. Be, it needs to be a 13-year-old's understanding of joy and... And initiation. Kalman, we always have to teach our children at all stages. And when a child sees that this is what a bar mitzvah party is, I think it sets his sensibility straight. I remember my son who went to a school that there were boys and girls attending. He went to a school. Uh, and I remember the girls came to his bar mitzvah party, the, the girls that came, and they were shocked. I mean, they sat there. They said, hey, where, where's the band? Where's all the fun stuff that we're supposed to do? You need to teach your children at every stage of the game well, that this, this is what it's about. Common, let's move on to something else that you mentioned before, which is presence. Now, I saw an interesting statement by a conservative rabbi in Philadelphia. He said that he would not allow any child to speak at his bar or bat mitzvah only about the subject of where they would donate a percentage of the monies they would receive and why they picked that specific charity. It's a very heavy thing that this child is receiving money on his own for the first time. The fact that he's getting so much presence, I think we have to think about, well, what is the child going to be doing with all this money? Well, actually, um, this particular conservative rabbi, I think, might just have a problem giving up his pulpit to anyone and therefore um, would only therefore render it to someone who is actually making a donation, which... It wasn't a donation uh, to his shul. He was just have to, the kid would just yeah, have to I'm describe. Sure, um, in some occasions, the donation was to his shul, and therefore a thank you was in place. But, but anyway, I, I think going back to our point, um, the question that always comes up, that one always debates within themselves, is what present to give the bar mitzvah boy, what is appropriate? And I would just like to put my standout right here that I think that as much as we give presents that we think, oh, this child's going to need is going to use, I think um, that the practice of just giving the child money would be the best um, of them all. Well, Kalman, as I alluded to before, there is something to that, to give the child a certain responsibility and speak to him of what this means. He's given this much money to think of his future or where he would like to donate it. Again, because but I, I can't... But Granted, I, I see where you're coming from, and I can applaud it up to a degree, but I really believe that among the Orthodox circle, the present that should be given is something tied in to the keeping of Torah and mitzvot, and should, I believe, be svarim. I think that books that are, if not appropriate now, indicate perhaps 
where the child could grow to in the future. Well, we know that um, there's basically Svarim known as the Bar Mitzvah Svarim. These are books that every Bar Mitzvah boy knows he's going to get one of, if not two or three of, um, rather than some of the other Svarim. But I still, I mean, I, I think a safer, uh, maybe I have a different understanding of you, as we all know, Rabbi Kivalevich has a large, um, huge, I would say, uh, library of Svarim, and maybe you have a different understanding of Svarim, but um, for most people who have the basic collection, I think that a safer is something that I need to choose. I go into a bookstore and I say, you know, this looks like a good book. I'm going to buy this. Or even a friend suggests it, and then I get it, or something like that. And that will, so, that'll, To be given but that, 20 that, books, of which 10 I will never read, 5 I will look into, and 5 I will like, I, I think it's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous at all. It starts the collection off. It gives the child the sense, hey, I have Svarim, and what else am I going? to get. I can tell you, Kalman, in that huge library that I have, a prominent place is afforded to the books that I received at my own bar mitzvah oh so many years ago. So then and I, I, still, and I start... still go back to look at them, and it means a lot to me to be able to use them. When you give a child a safer, speak to the person in the Sfarim store, speak to your rabbi, or if you know Sfarim yourself, and try to find something which perhaps the child could use within the next year or two, or in the next couple of years. But realize that you're actually giving him a finger that's pointed to a tradition of greatness and Torah thought and learning. I, I think it depends here, really, on what the child is. As much as you try to say we should look at the child before, I think now is the place where we should look in the child and see. If this is a child who's a studious child, someone who we see in the future growing up as a child who will make much use of books, then we should get him a book that he would not necessarily think of getting and would therefore enjoy when he does see that he has it. But most children are not like that. Most children, if they they would just like to feel um, grown up by getting a large amount of money and either investing it or putting it away. And I think, again, you're biased because of your um, own appreciation of Svarm that most people don't have. Kalman, I think we have to analyze why we give presents in the first place. We give presents as a message. It isn't like giving charity. If this is a family that's destitute and needs money, then perhaps we should send them a lot of money in envelopes to help them to raise their child. We give presents to indicate our connection to them and what they mean to us and what we hope from them. That's what a present is. A fifty dollars. Well, any thirteen-year-old boy, the most connection he gets, a person who gives him a present, is wow, this person gave me money. And maybe a book might be appropriate. Maybe you should save it and, and give it to him three years later when he starts to appreciate books. But I think if you give him even a check for eighteen dollars, he thinks, oh, this guy gave me money. If we're talking about the connection that you make to the child, make him feel like he's within a social group. I think, I think most children realize that the svarb are don't grow on trees. They are expensive, and they realize, hey, what am I supposed to do with this stuff? And they will look around and be impressed by it. You know, since we did talk about maturing and getting older, I should just point out to you and to our listeners that there are cultures that are very Jewish that did not actually have this sort of 13-year-old celebration. In Yemen, for example, the whole bar mitzvah celebration was unknown. In fact, there were certain places, certain cities, where a child could be 14, 15 years old before they put on tefillin for the first time. I think what this says to me is that in other places, the child was looked at as to as his own individual maturity. Uh, we know that today, for example, in Israel, it's very common to have the celebration specifically on the night that the child 
becomes a bar mitzvah, or right after the child puts on tefillin for the first time. The whole shul idea of him performing at the ceremony and then being uh, praised and having a kiddush the next day or that day on Shabbos or on Sunday is unknown. What they are zeroing in is on a certain moment. And I think that that should sort of give us pause as to perhaps maybe we can become more like either like the ancient Yemenites, which is to wait for each child till they're ready, or at least to be like the Jews in Israel, especially among the Sephardim there, that just celebrate the mitzvot that that child is doing. Well, I think you're getting into a question of um, cultures and customs, which I don't think we need to do. I mean, there's no reason to change anything. If anything, you want to downgrade. I don't know if you're trying to undo. Kam, what I'm, I really mean to say is, is that when we look at what our co-religionists are doing and have done, and we see that, hey, why can't we adopt some of this into what we're doing. Maybe we don't have to have this high pressure. Maybe we should zero in on the glorious event that the child is really now a full member of Klal Yisrael and can do mitzvot. And we want to usher him in to Torah as soon as possible. Well, um, I think we're out of time. He's Rabbi Kalman Warch. And Rabbi Kalman, would you please... Step towards the pulpit, because I'd like to bestow you with some gifts of my mind. Well, you plan on putting, as our engineer mentioned before, the bar back in Bar Mitzvah? Bye-bye. The Chavrusa features Rabbi Avram Kivalevich and Rabbi Kalman Warch, and is directed by Jeff Osias.